When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you want an easy way to feel like a chef in your own home... Try Blue Apron's two-in-four serving menu plans so you're always cooking something new and enjoying fresh seasonal ingredients. Choose from an ever-changing mix of premium recipes, chef favorites, family-friendly options, WW recommended, and more. Get $130 off across your first six orders, plus your first order ships free when you visit blueapron.com slash blueculinary. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Streaming to you live on social media at Show, And, of course, we're always available to you on YouTube. Please subscribe. Check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're doing the Thursday Night Football Gamecast because that's games going on as we kick this show off. And we're doing the late slate of matchup previews for week 13, our fantasy football expectations and our betting advice on the week. When I say, all right, just mean me, it's just me on Thursdays. Anyway, we will be back tomorrow though, 9 PM. That'll be the MD's DFS contest and lock bets of the week on week 13. When Chris Dowhart rejoins the show, we'll talk about our DraftKings lineup cards or DFS advice. And then Chaz Flaherty will join the second half to talk about our lock bets of the week and the easy sports betting data so all that and more still to come we have to kick off this show with some breaking news on unfortunate breaking news at that breaking news so antonio brown antonio brown apparently there was more to that story 
with the COVID-19 vaccine being a fraud. And then we realized, we thought it was actually going to be a fake. We, it was chef. We're like, oh, well, what does the chef know? They've already, you know, the Bucks, the NFL, they've ran through, you know, they saw all the vaccination cards. That's how they know what players are vaccinated, what not. And uh, apparently Brown just did mislead himself. And he's not even going to try to appeal the suspension. He is now suspended for three games. So on one hand, it's a big deal. On the other hand, it's not so much a big deal. He was going to miss this week and next week anyway due to injury. They already came out and said that. So the earliest we're hoping for is week 15 return. Well, now with the suspension, the earliest he'll be back is week 16. Might be a big reason why as to why he's not trying to appeal this thing either. So, yes, it's one extra week before you can hope to have him back. And it would be the second round of the playoffs would be his first game back in over half the season now at this point. I think since week eight was the last time he played. So I think the question has become, do you stash Antonio Brown? Does he, do you think he can actually help you win a championship? My answer to that is still yes. He's still a high-end wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver two the second he steps back on that field because of the rapport that he has with, with Tom Brady and how much that offense throws the ball. So from that standpoint, yes, I'm holding on to Antonio Brown if you have an extra IR spot that you can do so. If you don't, then you have to move on. If you don't, you have to move on. Okay, so just about your roster flexibility and what you have available to you. But a really crazy story that comes through and he winds up having to get suspended for three games. Mike Edwards also got suspended for three games, by the way, but that's neither here nor there as far as this show is concerned. So now I got the breaking news out of the way. I want to talk about the injury news, the updates from yesterday's show. Now, remember, if you missed yesterday's show, all you got to do is go back on your favorite pod streaming app and download us, follow us, subscribe to us on YouTube, on social media. All of our episodes are available to you guys everywhere. So make sure you go back and check that out because we didn't just talk about the Thursday night preview, which is that game, of course, going on now. We talked about the early slate window of games. But I want to get you guys up to date on the injury news up until this point before we start to preview the late slate. So first and foremost, Melvin Gordon is now two days in a row. He did not practice. They're calling him 50-50 as far as his game is concerned. Now, this is a bit surprising because Melvin Gordon was able to return in that game for a pretty hefty workload. So the fact that now he's not practicing two days in a row and now they're calling him 50-50, that does have to raise an eyebrow. It also is an opportunity that we've been waiting for for Javante Williams. If Melvin Gordon doesn't go, this will be the first time that Williams will have the opportunity to be the workhorse back and all that means. So Javante Williams will be a low-end RB1 heading into this week if Melvin Gordon cannot play, especially in a nice matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs. We talked about it yesterday. I don't have a ton of faith in the, in the wide receivers from a fantasy standpoint because this offense had been running through the running backs. Now, without Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams can't take on, you know, 30 touches, presumably. Maybe he gets to that number. We've kind of seen it happen a couple times so far this year with other guys filling into a workhorse role. But you presume he's probably not going to hit 30, Mark, or if he does, he'll hit 30 on the dot. wouldn't be much more than that. They've been running the ball 32, 34 plus times between the two of them. So you have to figure... Teddy Bridgewater and that wide receiver core will have to get a little bit more of a volume. Plus, on the standpoint of you don't know what kind of Kansas City Chief offense you're going to get. If they figured out some things after the bye, this might turn into a high-scoring game anyway where Bridgewater has to throw the ball more than he would want to. 
However, my overall value on a Jerry Judy, on a Cortland Sutton, Judy coming in as wide receiver 28, Cortland Sutton coming in as wide receiver 34 for me, it's not going to move. It's not going to move because Bridgewater spreads the ball out too much. And you still got Noah Fant, you have to feed Tim Patrick and get involved here. There's too many, too many mouths on a quarterback who doesn't key on any one particular player. So that's kind of what you're dealing with there. So my value is not going to move on those guys. But Melville Gordon, very interesting to watch what happens. Javante Williams could be going through the roof this week if he does, in fact, miss. We'll have to watch out for tomorrow. Follow us along on social media at Billy of MDF of show. We'll keep you up to date. Devontae Parker does practice the second day in a row. I would say at this point, he is trending towards being activated and returning this week. He's a wide receiver three for me if he is out there and active. Remember, they like to take the shots to him. They like to match up against the Giants, and the Dolphins throw it more than anybody else does. Philip Lindsay, sticking with the Dolphins, did not practice today after being reported as limited yesterday. So they went from yesterday saying Philip Lindsay is going to have an opportunity to have a big role within this offense starting this week. And now it seems like he's trending in the opposite direction where he may not be able to play at all. If he doesn't, Miles Gaskin, it doesn't, it doesn't drastically change for me. He was already an RB2. He would remain an RB2 again with the expected workload. So you're playing Miles Gaskin no matter what, but his ceiling definitely rises up if Philip Lindsay does continue to miss. Daniel Jones had practiced for a second day in a row. So Freddie Kitchens came out and said that he expects Daniel Jones to be able to play. I will say this, which is a note that came out later on the day. The Giants did make Mike Glennon available to the media like they normally would for a starting quarterback, along with Daniel Jones. So all that really is an indication is they still haven't quite made up their mind definitively who's going to be a starting quarterback on Sunday as of today. But it looks like Daniel Jones is training in a direction which he might have the opportunity to play. Does that change anything from the wide receiver's perspective? Not really. It really doesn't. Whether it's Daniel Jones, whether it's Mike Glennon, they're both terrible. I don't think it really matters as far as that goes. I think if Mike Glennon played, I think Kenny Galladay would actually have a better shot to perhaps do something. But because they also have to play against Philadelphia Eagles, you figure Darius Slay is going to give Kenny Galladay the shadow treatment anyway. So I don't know how much that's really going to matter. Uh, sticking with the Giants, Kadarius Tony did not practice again today. I don't think he's going to be able to wind up going. Sterling Shepard did some, they said, light work, some light limited work in today's practice. He may be trending on his way back. Keep in mind, if you do feel the need to play a Giants receiver, and I don't know why you would, and Daniel Jones is a starting quarterback, Sterling Shepard as a slot receiver, that's the guy you'd want to play. But I'm trying to avoid that situation altogether if I can at all help it whatsoever. Jalen Hurts. So yesterday he was listed as a limited participant in practice. Remember yesterday was more of a walkthrough. They didn't actually practice too much. Today was actually a, a real practice and he was limited again today. Uh, still sounding very confident that he is going to be able to play on Sunday. I tend to believe him, especially if he's practicing two days in a row. Figure as long as he's able to get through tomorrow without having a setback on that ankle, he'll be good to go. We already talked about his expectations uh, for them too. Now, next up, we have Corey Davis. He did not practice again today, so it's trending more and more in direction. Corey Davis, once again, will not go. So you like the floor that establishes for Elijah Moore because that means he's getting all the volume. We don't have to worry about or make the debate of, oh, yeah, uh, Zach Wilson's favorite receiver was Corey Davis. Where these targets go we, remains to be seen. No, no, no. We know it's going to be Elijah Moore this upcoming week. He's a playable 
upside wide receiver three for me in this matchup, in any matchup where the Jets, and I'm sorry, the Jets play the Eagles. I got that mixed up in my head, the New York teams there uh, when I was taking my advice a second ago. <laughs> Daniel Jones, either, it still doesn't matter. They're not going to, you're not going to want to play the wide receivers, but the Jets are playing the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Jalen Hurts, he's a top 10 play. And Elijah Moore, he's a wide receiver three with some upside. Now he would see the Darius Slay shadow, However, there's nobody else to throw the ball to. I mean, I guess you can say James Crowder, but he really has not been involved from a volume standpoint, no matter who the quarterback has been, much this season at all. So I think Elijah Moore is the guy you got to go with if you're going to play a Jets wide receiver without Corey Davis. The volume, I do think, gets into a wide receiver three position. DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray continue to practice. The expectation is that they will play and make the return finally this week. Allen Robinson continues to not practice he is, he's not going to play. Again, I keep reiterating this. If he is smart, he will find every reason in the book to continue to not play. Unless they force him out there in some kind of way and say, you know what, you're healthy. We'll start finding you if you don't get out there. I wouldn't play if I was Allen Robinson. You're going to get a contract next year. You're going to be paid as a premier receiver regardless of what you do or don't do for the Chicago Bears the rest of the way because everybody knows how talented Allen Robinson is and knows what crappy situation he's coming from. So I don't think he can really help his value. He can only hurt it by getting injured. So if I'm Allen Robinson, I'm looking for every reason in the book to stay off the active roster. That, by the way, that'll help with Darnell Mooney too. David Johnson, again, did not practice today. Neither did Brandon Cooks. There's a illness going on, some kind of flu, cold, something passing around the Houston Texans locker room. It's not COVID-related. But both Johnson and Cooks, two days in a row, were not able to practice. Normally speaking, in years past, when it came to an illness, we wouldn't worry about it. We wouldn't really, we would, we would know that, you know what, come Friday, they'll get some limited sessions in or Saturday, but come Sunday, they're definitely going to play. It's an illness. They get over it, they find a way to, you know, get themselves hydrated up enough and they, and they just go. But after watching Lamar Jackson legitimately miss a game because he was just that sick. You now have to be a little bit more weary of it when these guys come up with illnesses and miss multiple practices. So hopefully we'll see these guys participate tomorrow. But if they don't, it's going to be a serious question going into Sunday that we're going to have to watch on social media. All right. Now that we have the injury updates from the games we talked about yesterday, here's what I want to do. I want to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to start diving into the late slate matchup previews for week 13 with our fantasy expectations and our betting tips. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. MD Nation, we want to welcome in a new sponsor of the show called Props Fantasy from PropsFantasy.com. Props Fantasy is a website and app which allows users to import their season-long fantasy teams to challenge other season-long fantasy teams. Their crucial difference is that you can challenge other teams that you are not playing in your league that week or aren't even in your league or not even on the same platform. The idea behind Props Fantasy is to let casual season-long fantasy players use the teams they already have to engage in daily fantasy-type Contest for winnings. Users can wager anything from $1 up to $1,000 on a head-to-head challenge. 
Props Fantasy even harmonizes the scoring. If you're in a PPR league and your opponent is not, Props Fantasy will default to a half-point PPR, or you can manually adjust it. They also handle things like standard lineup versus super flex. Their developers are fantasy football diehards and have thought of everything, including IDP. So if you think your season-long team is not just the best in your league, but the best in all leagues, this is your chance to find out and win money when you sign up for the Props Fantasy app today at PropsFantasy.com. So join in on the fun. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at BellyUpMDFF Show. And, of course, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, the MD's Fantasy Football Show, whenever you get the chance to do so. Check us out after on your favorite pod streaming app. If you miss any part of the show, need to rewatch any episode or re-listen to any episodes, I should say. If you want to rewatch or watch live on your television set, you now can. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is available to you on Amazon Fire TV. Just look up the MD's Fantasy Football Show TV app. Download it easy peasy, nice and free for your for your fire sticks. Don't miss an episode. All of our content is up there. You can throw us up on the big screen and watch and listen away. Uh, we will be available soon on Roku Television. And as soon as we are, I will make sure I let you guys know about that as well. Very exciting things going on with the MD Saints Football Show. And it's because of MD Nation, because of you, it's because of the support you guys have shown the show, especially this year, we have grown. We pretty much doubled the size of this show in this season in 2021. So I can't be more thankful to MD Nation for supporting the show, for coming out, because you guys really are the reason why we are starting to make some progress and we will continue to get better and be better for you, for MD Nation. While we're doing that, we have to dive into what our analysis is on these preview matchups. And we got the late slate of window. First up, I want to talk about the Washington football team and the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, Washington's in an interesting situation. We've all been waiting for Antonio Gibson to finally be the RB1 that we know he could be if he's allowed to catch the football. You know, the wide receiver who turned to a running back who's suddenly not allowed to catch the football in the NFL. Yeah, that guy, that guy you've been waiting for, pining for, drafted for. We might get to see that this week. J.D. McKissick has now not practiced the last two days in a row at all. He's in concussion protocol. That's what he's listed for. Now, this one in the neck, now it's mostly due to the concussion that he might be out. But the trend has been this. Not that it's impossible still, but the trend has been this. Usually a player has to be out there practicing in a limited capacity by Thursday to have a true legitimate shot to play on Sunday. That has not happened in J.D. McKissick's case. So therefore, as it stands today, I would lean towards McKissick not playing, which means Antonio Gibson might be able to pick up where he left off last week, getting all the volume, getting 20-plus carries, getting five-plus targets, five-plus receptions. That is the situation he finds himself in. Yes, J.R. Patterson will get worked in, but he's not going to get worked in like he's a J.D. McKissick. He's going to get worked in to just give Antonio Gibson a breather here and there. That's about it. Expect Gibson finally to be in a situation where he can have all the work, and you love it coming in this match against the Raiders, who are terrible at his running backs. I know the Cowboys running backs didn't do a lot, but that had more to do with the flow of that game, the way that things were going, and Zeke being as banged up as he was. 
that was more circumstantial. This season, you can run. I mean, really, it's not any different than any season. You can run on the Raiders, plain and simple, period. Antonio Gibson's in a great spot here. He might be able to come in as a low-end RB1. Now, right now, I don't have J.D. McKissick taken out of my rankings. So Gibson sits at my RB13. When I take McKissick out, I'll also move Antonio Gibson up a little bit. He'll get inside my top 12 this week once he's activated and fully out. Just so, not that you weren't going to play Antonio Gibson or anything like that, but this is a very smashed spot and coming in at the right time. And who knows? Maybe this is what it take, takes. Maybe this is what he needs to show that he can handle a full bell cow workload. And maybe he goes off, and maybe the Washington football team never looks back as a result. Look, they still got to figure something out offensively. This is still not a good offensive team. So if Antonio Gibson getting more of the work means our offense is more efficient and more productive, it could lead to Antonio Gibson taking over that role. Look, it's all about opportunity in the NFL. He's got an opportunity this week. So I love Antonio Gibson here, obviously. Now, Terry McLaurin is my wide receiver nine. Obviously, you're going to play him. You like the number one spot against the Raiders. This game, in general, has a chance to be high scoring. It does. It has a chance to be high scoring. So hoping that it does, or at least, you know, solid back and forth offensively like we were expecting to have, Terry McLaurin should have a nice game. Got a little bit back on track since the bye week with Taylor Heineke. Yes, he's been up and down all season long, but the one thing you can always hang your hat on that you can't hang your hat on with other wide receivers this year is that he's always in line to get the majority of the volume. There still has not been a second pass catcher who's been able to establish themselves in this Washington offense. I know Curtis Samuel's trying to work his way back. I know Diami Brown had a role at one point. I know Logan Thomas is trying to work his way back and get more consistent as well. But Terry McLaurin's what they have to lean on against this Raiders team. You love him here against the wide receiver nine position. And just keep in mind, look, all these back-end, low-end wide receiver ones, all these mid-level wide receiver twos, it's just been a wildly inconsistent year for everybody at the top-notch area. So McLaurin, you're playing him with confidence every single game moving forward. I don't have Logan Thomas in my streamable tight end area. Believe it or not, the Raiders have actually been pretty good against the tight end position. And Logan Thomas should have had a better stat line last week, right? He, he was in line. He should have gotten a touchdown, wasn't able to connect. There's just a lot of low-floor pathway here for me to be able to stick with a Logan Thomas when there's other guys out there like on the other side of the ball, like a Foster Moreau, who I'd rather have this week. We've seen him without Darren Waller. We've seen him go off in the end zone, get those touchdowns. So that's where I would like to go. I would rather go with a Foster Moreau. We'll take that to lead right into the Raiders here. Foster Moreau, for me, is going to come in at a tight end 12, right on the dot. Love it there. He's the top streaming tight end that you could possibly go with. We'll talk about him, I'm sure, tomorrow's episode when we go over our DFS lineups, because he's pretty much going to be a free space with his price tag and the opportunity he's going to see. But also look at the Raiders' offense in general. Deshaun Jackson pops up on the injury report today with a calf issue. Now, he's saying it's more tight that, you know, he was just being cautious, nothing pulled, nothing serious, trying to leave that door open for him to play on Sunday. But we know what the deal is with Deshaun Jackson. A, a decent breeze goes by, and this guy could snap like a twig. So, and we also know that he's been playing snap-wise as a fourth receiver. Even last week, he still was fourth in playing time with the Dallas Cowboys, even though he had that big week and they tried to start off the game with Deshaun Jackson. So 
we don't know how much he's going to be able to play now. You have Hunter Renfro, who's been great, and will continue to be great. He's my wide receiver 23. That might even be too low. Remember, this is half-point PPR that we do our rankings off of, not full point. If it was full play, to be even higher than that. He's got one of the safest floors of any wide receiver heading into this given week. The problem with Hunter Renfro is that, typically speaking, that big play, the touchdowns aren't normally there. So that's why he comes in as you know a wide receiver, a low-end wide receiver too, rather than somebody who I'm high, fly, highing fly on or flying high on, if I could actually speak here, uh, as a high-end wide receiver too, because like some people do have him ranked or excited about. Look, he's a definite must-start. There's no question about that. It's going to be a matter of, do you get into the end zone? Because remember, against Dallas, he had over 100-yard performance. That's not something that's usually in Hunter Renfro's repertoire, no matter how much volume he's seeing, no matter what defenses he's playing. But of course, you like what the upside comes when you're playing as a Washington team. And then you have Brian Edwards, who doesn't get involved. He's just out there to, to block and, and be a decoy down the field. And Zay Jones, who's going to get his five targets and maybe do something with it, maybe not. Foster Moreau winds up being one of the main go-to safety blankets for Derek Carr in a great matchup against Washington. So that's why you love him so much this week. And I still love Derek Carr. Would I love him a little bit more if Darren Waller is playing? Yeah, sure. But let's say Deshaun Jackson can go. This offense is better if they just, as long as they have the threat of the deep pass. They don't necessarily need to work all the time, but as long as they have the threat of the deep ball to keep defenses honest, Derek Carr is very good this season. He's very good when he has that scenario set up. No better defense to play as a quarterback than the Washington football team defense to begin with. So Derek Carr comes in my QB7 this week. He's a must-star, a must-stream, a must-play. Love Derek Carr coming up in this week's matchup. And then Josh Jacobs, I do have to mention him. He did get listed today on the injury report with an ankle injury. Him not practicing on Thursdays all time, though, is, is has been kind of the norm. So I don't know if it's actually that he had a, an injury crop up in practice today or if it's just following a practice pattern they've had for him all season long to begin with. But here's what I will say. Even if it is an injury that propped up today, we won't know more until tomorrow. So make sure you're following us along on social media. We'll keep you up to date at BillyFMDFF Show. But Josh Jacobs, for now, will be considered a mid-level RB2 in pretty much any matchup he's in. And this would be a good match for him against Washington anyway. But he got he finally got back to find the end zone last week against Dallas. And the other thing was that he continued on his trend of getting targets, of getting receptions, outworking Kenyon Drake in every aspect of the game carries and receiving. So as long as that continues to be the case, again, I go back to it. Jacobs has a newfound floor. Now that he has this new role, now he's more established as an actual workhorse back with Kenyon Drake coming in about 30, 35% of the time to spell him. And as long as he gets back to find the end zone, he might be able to find himself getting back into that low end RB one territory to finish out the season, especially when you consider the amount of running backs of who's injured who are all RB1s. It's a massacre at the position right now. So Jacobs could be that RB1 league winner down the stretch here. But we will have to watch that injury heading in tomorrow's practice report just to keep you guys all up to date. As far as betting this game goes, it's basically a pick It's in Las Vegas. Raiders are favored minus two. The overrunner set at 49 and a half. I got to know if Vegas knows something that I don't. Because I don't see any scenario in which this game should be as close as it is, or is essentially a pick 'em, 
And had it been in Washington, you'd be heavily favoring Washington right now. I know Washington's had a big win against Seattle on Monday Night Football. I get it. But the Raiders had a really big win on Thanksgiving. I think the Raiders right now are the better team. Now, if Jacobs winds up missing, I may revisit this to some degree. But for now, give me the Raiders minus two, and I feel pretty good about it. All right, so let's move into our next matchup that we have for you guys here, which is the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Los Angeles Rams. So let's start on the Jaguars side of the ball because it's just there's not going to be as much to cover. All you really care about is James Robinson. There was conflicting reports today. There was one report saying that he did not practice, one saying that he was actually limited. The official report was that he was limited in practice. So he probably just didn't practice in the open portion part of, to the media. Um, but what I will say is this. He should be able to go. He's in a top 10 spot. He's been battling with this knee and this heel injury for the past few weeks. So, I'm not worried about James Robinson. He's the only thing in Jacksonville you can trust. You know he's going to get the ball. You know he's very good. And the Rams haven't been very good against the run as of late. And even though this is a spot where you could see Jacksonville potentially running into a buzzsaw, the problem with this is that they still don't key in on the run. They're still looking to get that sack. They're still looking to charge up the field. So James Robinson is an RB10 for me this week. I like the volume he's going to get, of course. Outside, I don't want anything. People are talking about O'Shaughnessy as somebody's like, oh, well, you know what? O'Shaughnessy, he might be able to, you know, take over that Dan Arnold role. Yeah. We know what O'Shaughnessy is. He's just a guy. I think actually Dan Arnold is more talented, especially as a receiver at the tight end position anyway. So he's not going to be a streaming tight end for me. LaVisca Chanel, he did get to play the slot last week, and that's what we were excited for. But when it comes to Chanel, when it comes to Marvin Jones, they have one big problem. Urban Meyer still the head coach. Not making things easy on Trevor Lawrence. Not making things easy on this offense. Which is why ultimately you could play James Robinson. That's that's it. Now I will say this. If you're a Robinson owner, you should own Carlos Hyde. He was on my waiver wire report this past Tuesday as part of my slew of handcuffs. Take note from the Christian McCaffrey owner. Take note from the Dalvin Cook owner this past week. Get your handcuff, especially when you know it's a one-for-one. Like I can understand if you're in certain situations, like a Najee Harris, for instance. There's no reason to go out there and try to own either a Benny Snell or Kalen Balazs because the fact of the matter is if something were to happen to Najee Harris, we'll have a committee on our hands. We don't have a one-for-one handcuff. We do, however have a one-for-one handcuff when it comes to Carlos Hyde and James Robinson. So make sure you own Carlos Hyde, especially since James Robinson been a bit banged up this season anyway. Now, on the Rams side of the ball, Matthew Stafford's been so much news circulating around him, right? How healthy are you? Is the back really hindering you that much? And they say he's got a, you know, her elbow at the time. He's still going to play, and he's still my QB5. You're playing him if you have him, especially against Jacksonville. But I think they want to put that to rest. Keep in mind here, the Rams are on a skid. They came off the bye week. They still lost to Green Bay. They lost the two games previous to that. They're on a three-game losing streak. The Rams have to get back on track. So while typically speaking, you might look at a Jacksonville team and say, you know what, 
We'll do what we have to do to win the game. We're not going to go crazy and make sure we keep our guys going moving forward. Uh-uh. They got to get a W. They got to get a win. And this is a perfect game not to just get a W, but to try to get your offense a spark back moving and some momentum before you go and take on the Arizona Cardinals on Monday Night Football in Week 14. So there is a chance Jaguars run to a buzzsaw here because the way this thing sets up. But I do expect Stafford to be great. Like I said, he's at my QB five. Cooper Cup, obviously, he's the wide receiver one. And I love Van Jefferson this week as a high-end wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside because he can hit the big play, especially against the secondary. Now, notice who I left out of here. I left out Daryl Henderson. I left out OBJ. If they're activated, they're playing. But there is some concern for that now. Darrell Henderson did not practice the last two days. OBJ did not practice the last two days. Now, Wednesday, yesterday, it wasn't a big deal, right? Because Sean McVay was saying he still expects them to play. They're just giving them the day off. They're a little bit banged up. But it seemed like there wasn't much concern. But he also mentioned that he thought they would practice today, practice today on Thursday. And that didn't happen. We have a long history of coaches expecting their players to come back. They don't. What usually winds up happening is they wind up not being activated the following week. Now, they're still practice tomorrow. And it could be one of those things where they decide, you know what, we, you know, let's just give you guys another day of rest because, you know, when it comes to Darrell Henderson, when it comes to OBJ, they don't necessarily need the whole week of practice to play. But if they don't practice tomorrow, I would lean towards the Rams not playing them this week which would mean Sony Michelle become a must-play high-end RB2 with RB1 upside because it's Jacksonville. And Van Jefferson would would fly up my board and become a solidified wide receiver, too, if he's going to be out because now you have a target share consolidation. And it would help Tyler Higby, too, by the way. Higby, even if everybody's active, still comes in my tight end 13. I know he's been disappointing fantasy-wise, even though the usage has kind of been there, the playing time's been there. But it's the Jaguars. When we get a matchup this good, that's why you get to stay as a top streaming tight end for me. But if OBJ were to miss, now with some we have some target consolidation going on, Tyler Higby probably would potentially slide up into my top 12. Maybe the 11 or 12, but he'd probably slide in there as a low-end tight end one. You're playing everybody against the Rams, whoever's activated, whoever's healthy. But I think you have a little bit more of a ceiling that people would expect. Because you find yourself questioning in these games when you when you have these players. You know, you find yourself thinking to yourself, okay, I got a great matchup. But how great is it really? Because now you have the other side in your head. You have the dilemma of, well, they could just walk in there, blow the doors off, or just play a conservative game because they don't have to be overly aggressive to get the W. The good thing about the Rams is that, one, they don't typically do that anyway. They're aggressive pretty much no matter who they're playing. They throw in just about every situation. But number two, like I said, because they're coming off of a three-game losing streak, they need to get right before they take on Arizona. So I think you find them in a perfect storm with a great matchup and a reason to get the ball rolling. So that's why I love the Los Angeles Rams as much as I do. Not that you wouldn't anyway. Uh, As far as betting on this game, the Rams are at minus 13. And the overrunner set at 48. The big lines, especially in the month of November, have been detrimental. Have absolutely been detrimental because they haven't been covering. 
These teams are supposed to blow out these mediocre, inferior squads. Haven't been coming through. These games have all been close. Having said that, what did I just talk about when it comes to the fantasy perspective of the Rams? They can't just get a W here. They got to spark themselves. They got to get right. They got to have momentum going in the Arizona game. I think they're going to look for reasons to be aggressive, even when they're up multiple scores. So I'm a little bit concerned about the backdoor cover. But I think the Rams are going to cover. I think they're going to cover minus 13 because they just find themselves in a perfect storm situation. And I feel pretty damn good about it, if I do say so myself. Let's talk about the Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, this has always been an exciting AFC North rivalry matchup. And typically speaking, it would still be if the Steelers weren't so terrible and so boring to watch on offense. And right now, the same can be said for the Baltimore Ravens. They're finding ways to win. But man, they're they're finding ways to win in the most ugliest possible ways that you could you could do it. Some of it takes the other team being crappy too, which the Steelers would probably oblige them on that part. But man, Lamar Jackson's got to turn this thing around. I I keep banging my head against the wall because I keep finding myself when I go through my algorithms. Lamar Jackson keeps falling keeps falling his way into my top three. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you want an easy way to feel like a chef in your own home... Try Blue Apron's two-in-four serving menu plan so you're always cooking something new and enjoying fresh seasonal ingredients. Choose from an ever-changing mix of premium recipes, chef favorites, family-friendly options, WW recommended, and more. Get $130 off across your first six orders, plus your first order ships free when you visit blueapron.com slash blueculinary. And he hasn't necessarily played like that, especially not consistently. There are games where he goes Superman. But it's just as likely he has a game like last week where he throws four interceptions. And we're all left to suffer. The Steelers aren't the same defense anymore, though. And they are trending in the wrong direction. Cleveland was trending in the right direction defensively because they were getting healthier. And they are, they've been preparing to play the Ravens you know, for two off-seasons now. The Steelers, they're not going to have Joe Hayden. Even with T.J. Watt back, he's not 100% T.J. Watt. Minka Fitzpatrick's not 100% Minka Fitzpatrick. At least it didn't look like it to me last week on tape anyway. This Steelers team is giving up a lot of points. I would suspect that Lamar Jackson and Marquise Brown, especially no Joe Hayden, are able to get back on the same page and get back to what they were a few weeks ago where Marquise Brown's lighting up the scoreboard. Lamar Jackson is taking his shots down the field. Instead of getting picked off, they're actually he's actually hitting his wide receivers. You love the match against the Steelers for wide receivers anyway, because they give up plays to the outside. 
the quarterback's a pretty good matchup, too. The only one it's still kind of hit or miss on is the running backs. It's not the dominant force it was against the running backs, no doubt about it, but it's still a little bit hit or miss. But Lamar will be my QB, too. You got to play him if you have him. Marquise Brown will be my wide receiver, 10. Devonta Freeman does come into my RB28. So that mid-level RB3, it doesn't, and it's not because it's a Steeler matchup. This is for anybody, any given week. That's what he is. Now, I'll say this. I do think he has established himself now ahead of Latavius Murray moving forward, barring injury. And he has the potential for a touchdown, which is why he's an RB3, a mid-level RB3 to begin with, and not a back-end, take-a-shot-and-hope-you-get-something type of guy. That's not what he is. So that's what you're looking at here. You can play him if you have to. And you might have to this week. You got four teams on by and a bunch of other guys injured. Not excited about it, but you hope he gets in the end zone. The other question, and Mark Andrews is my tight end too, just to get him out of the way. My The other question, of course, is going to be Rashad Bateman. What do you do with Rashad Bateman? Do you play him? Do you have to sit him? Can you not trust Lamar Jackson to throw the ball to more than one wide receiver at the moment? All legitimate questions. But right now, I think you can. I think you could trust Rashad Bateman. Again, this match against the Steelers, the best way to attack them is going to be down the field on the perimeter where Lamar has been trying to throw the ball more consistently this season. That's not going to go away. I can't imagine Lamar playing a worse game than he did against Cleveland last week. So I think Rashad Bateman will be in position to get back to what we saw in that Dolphin game where he had eight targets and he's more in that line. He is the second fiddle receiver to a Marquise Brown. There's enough volume for the both of them. Now I have him just outside my top 36. He's my wide receiver 39 this week. But he definitely has that upside to flex position. You can consider him there. Not a must play, but you can consider him there. We love his talent. We know his talent, and you do like the matchup here. So depending on what you have available to you, he's a consideration there. On the Steelers' side of the ball, it it gets real simple real fast. Najee Harris, top six running back. You count on the volume. And for those of you out there who are thinking to yourselves, oh, they're probably going to shut down Najee Harris soon. They're not actually going to make the playoffs. Look, the Steelers technically still have a winning record or a a 500 better record. So they're in the playoff race in the AFC. Now, I don't think they're going to make it because they're just not a good football team to the eye test. But record-wise, they're right there. Sometimes they win some of these ugly games and pull them out. So they're not going to be looking to bench Najee Harris. That game got out of hand last week against the Bengals, there was no reason to keep throwing him out there. That's why they took him out of the game. That's why they reduced his snaps. Not because they're looking to put him on a pitch count the rest of the way. That's not the way Mike Tomlin operates. Mike Tomlin operates with his guy getting run into the ground and then running him into the ground some more. That's how Mike Tomlin operates. I don't care that he spent a first-round pick on this guy. He's a rookie. They're not going to worry about his workload, not in his rookie season. Not when they are trying to make the playoffs. The other point is this. Mike Thomas never had a less than 500 season. If you don't think that means a hell of a lot to him, guess again. So if that means having to throw out Najee Harris as much as he possibly has to to try to win the game, 
that's what they're going to do. So I have no reservations whatsoever on Najee Harris getting a reduced workload the rest of the way. None. And I get it. I get why you'd be worried because any any slight tick down in volume for Najee, and that could be it for his fantasy value because it's not like they have an offensive line or an offense that's allowing him to score points and break off runs. Okay. Deontay Johnson. He is a wide receiver six. The volume is always there. And the Ravens, kind of like the Steelers, have been giving up a lot of points to wide receivers. Deontay Johnson, along with Keenan Allen, have been some of the best consistent wide receivers this season. And Deontay Johnson will get his double-digit targets no matter what. And for once, he's in a match where he might be able to do something with it, too. He hasn't been getting you those gaudy stat lines, right? He hasn't been getting you the, the 100 yards and the touchdown, but he just gets you 90-plus yards every single week with five, six, or seven receptions, and he just remains solid for you every week. I think this is a week where he gets over 100 yards and possibly scores. That's why he comes out wide receiver six for me. Not that you weren't going to not play him anyway, but I have mid-level wide receiver one aspirations for Deontay Johnson this week. As far as the opposite side of receiver, Chase Claypool, he's my wide receiver 31. So he still has that base floor of the volume. We saw that last week. The big play, the touchdowns, unfortunately, are just still lacking. But he has established himself now with a nice floor on a pretty consistent week-to-week basis, especially over the last six weeks. So Chase Claypool, you can play as a wide receiver 31. He'll probably be in your lineup more than not, at least as a flex play with a solid floor and a nice matchup in this game against the Baltimore Ravens. So last thing to talk about would be Pat Freermuth. He's in concussion protocol, but he's practicing in full already. He practiced in full on Wednesday. He practiced in full today. He's going to be cleared. He's a top five tight end for me. Pat Freermuth is getting touchdowns like it's nobody's business. That's a big reason why Chase Claypool can't get the touchdowns, right? Because it's all been going to Pat Freermuth for the last month now. I don't see why that does not continue He operates in the area of the field that Ben Roethlisberger wants to actually throw the ball to begin with. That's a big thing. And he has built this rapport. He has been trustworthy. He's out there all the time. We talked about all year about what kind of rookie year Kyle Pitts was going to have. Meanwhile, no one's even paying attention to Pat Freemuth. Pat Freemuth is probably going to be the number one rookie tight end by the end of this because of all the touchdowns he's getting, believe it or not. But Pat Freemuth, the highest I've ever had him ranked this season, top five tight end for me this week. Now, betting this game, look, as an AFC North rival, even when these two teams were both clicking, you didn't want to bet this game because there's so many different ways it can go. I'm not going to want to bet this game either, but just to give you guys a line, it's in Pittsburgh. Baltimore is minus four and a half favorites. The overrunner set at 44. So I think Baltimore is the better team. I think they got that part, but it's hard for me to ever take a team against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh especially with a Ravens team that's not playing on all cylinders right now, is playing ugly football, which tends to lean into the ugly football that you know the Steelers are going to try to strive for. So I am not going to be placing a wager in that game, and I don't give advice to you guys unless I'm going to be placing a wager in a particular game or not. So let's keep the ball rolling. Now we got the San Francisco 49ers. And of course... The Seattle 
Seahawks. That's our next big game here. Now, I don't know if the Seahawks are going to be able to turn it on. I don't know if the Seahawks ever will be able to turn it on again, frankly, because after this, the offseason, we might be seeing Russell Wilson move on. And I'll give you my two cents on this real quick. I think Seattle's smart. They're not trying to blow up everything. I would be blowing it up with the players, especially. I'm not blowing up. You have a franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson. You have great talent in DK Metcalf. You have great talent in Tyler Lockett. I wouldn't be trying to blow it up. I don't know why anybody else is. Because the rumors right now in Seattle is we're going to fire the GM. We're going to fire Pete Carroll. And we're going to trade away Russell Wilson. I don't know why. I don't know why you would do that. You want to fire the GM? You want to fire Pete Carroll? Go for it. They've been passed by. They're dinosaurs. Too many bad signings have happened. Too many bad draft picks have taken place. And Pete Carroll, I'm sorry, but he has not been able to adjust to the modern day game. Those are the big, not Russell Wilson and his injury. Pete Carroll is the biggest reason why this Seattle offense has been left behind. Why they refuse to turn on. Look at the game situations for the past few weeks. When it's at the end of the game, and there's no longer any choice but to go up-tempo and throw the ball around, Seattle actually winds up moving the ball and scoring. Now, part of it could be playing against prevent defense and garbage time. There's no doubt about that. But the other part of it is that you don't have a running game anyway. Why they brought in Adrian Peterson, I have no idea. No clue. Don't expect him to play this week, by the way. Even if he did, I, even if he doesn't, I don't care. I'm not playing Alex Collins. And now that Adrian Peterson's on the team, you can go ahead and drop Alex Collins. In fact, I'll, I'll hit this button to make it official for uh, MD Nation. Prepare to be flushed. Get rid of him. Get rid of that headache. This team should be up-tempo, let Russell Wilson just throw it around and have the passing game set up the running game. Because the offensive line is terrible, too. So you have the pass game set up the running game. Then you might be able to get some chunk plays here and there with your with your running backs. That's the only chance you have. At this point, I don't think Seattle has anything to lose. I don't know what the holdup is. Playing ugly, conservative, slow-paced team offense has not equaled wins. So you couldn't really argue with Pete Carroll in the past because they were getting W's. They were winning. So it's like, okay, we can't really argue because they're getting, even though they could be better, they should be better. They're getting the end result. They're not getting the end result anymore. Which is why Pete Carroll should go, or at the very least, change it up and show that maybe you can adapt the second half of the season or this last quarter of the season we're about to enter. But all this goes for fantasy purposes is that, guess what? Russell Wilson, he is a QB 15 for me. I'm off. I'm off Russell Wilson. I'm off of him. You're not playing him this week. I'll go as far as to say this for Russell Wilson. Prepare to be flushed. If you can't bring yourself to drop him, I understand. But you're not going to play him until he actually has a good game. Well, guess what, folks? We're entering week 13. He only has, what, five more games, assuming you make the championship in your leagues to be viable? We're roster churning here, guys. We're trying, to con- we're trying to consolidate for the playoff run. 
I don't see how Russell Wilson fits into that. I really don't. I'd rather stream quarterback the rest of the way than plan on playing Russell Wilson at any point again this season. So I don't see why you need to own him in one quarterback, 10, 12-man leagues, which is usually what we're talking about in this show. I don't see a need for it. I barely want to play him in Superflex. Outside of that, what does that mean for the wide receivers? I know DK Metcalf's a headache, but you got to play him. He comes in at wide receiver 21 for me this week, so I have a low-end wide receiver too. He practiced in full today, so that's you know a good development because he's been dealing with the foot issue. It only takes one play. He's a behemoth of a man. I keep telling myself that it can't get much worse, although it doesn't seem to get better. It's not getting worse, but it's not getting better at the same time for DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson and the rest of this offense. But I can't see how you're going to have a better option with more upside than DK Metcalf. But he is, however, ranked for the first time behind Tyler Lockett for me. Lockett, while this has all been going on, all of a sudden he's established a consistent floor the past couple of weeks. 90 yards, got over 100 yards. It's coming on three or four catches, but they're hitting him down deep. He's getting his opportunities. So that's kind of the odd thing about this. Tyler Lockett comes in at wide receiver 19, and I actually do have some trust with him. The San Francisco secondary stinks. So you do like the matchup here for Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And I think you got to play them. I think right now there's some confidence in Lockett, maybe not in Metcalf, but you're playing them anyway. I don't care about anything else in this team. On the San Francisco side of the ball, we already know Debo Samuel expected to miss one to two weeks. So we already know Debo Samuel is going to miss this week. Brian Ayuk, as a result, is wide receiver 17 for me. Now, he had been the lead receiver the past couple of weeks anyway because Debo Samuel had been operating probably more so as a running back than an actual wide receiver, especially target-wise. But this just kind of solidifies the workload we didn't expect the Brian Ayuk to have. And it's kind of it's a repeat of last year, right? It was just him, and he had a couple games with George Kittle on the field and really nobody else for Jimmy Garoppolo to go with the ball. And Brian Ayuk gets featured as such. If Shanahan has shown you anything this season is that whoever that number one favorited wide receiver is, they're going to get featured the crap ton out of. Well, that's going to be Brian Ayuk this week. So you love the Brian Ayuk play against the Seattle team as a wide receiver 17. Love it, love it, love it. George Kittle's my tight end three. I know it was disappointing last week, but as long as he's out there, as long as he's healthy, we know what he can do. He had three weeks in a row. We got back-to-back-to-back touchdowns. You're playing George Kittle. You're not thinking anything else of it. Elijah Mitchell practicing. He wasn't practicing. Wednesday, he had a rest day. He did practice in full today. He's my RB11 on the week. He's getting a ton of volume. A ton of volume on a run-first offense with a healthy offensive line. Now, Jamichael Hasty seems like he might be on his way back potentially this week, but Elijah Mitchell wasn't making his living in the passing game anyway, which is the only role Hasty's going to come back to take over. So I'm not worried about that. What it does do, though, is that it makes Jeff Wilson this. I'm hitting this button a lot lately, but Jeff Wilson kind of becomes a must drop. Prepare to be flushed. Yes, if Elijah Mitchell got hurt, Jeff Wilson would probably step in as the main ball carrier. But the one thing you liked about Wilson is that he was in an opportunity where he, in the past at least, maybe not this year, but in the past, Shanahan has targeted him in the offense. 
Well, that has no chance of happening with Michael Hasty out there. So it's a tough situation. It's a situation where if you need the roster spot, I think you can drop Jeff Wilson. Now that I'm talking about it, because I do think he'd be the lead ball carrier of Elijah Mitchell were to go down. But because Jamichael Hasey's back in the mix, it makes the whole thing murky all over again. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design. So I think you can drop Jeff Wilson if need be. Jimmy Garoppolo comes in my QB 18. He's been trending down and down. He had his one really huge week. Then he had another nice week. And then it was an okay week. And then last week, fantasy-wise anyway, it was just bleh, like 12 points. So it's been going down and down and down since this big week from a fantasy football perspective. Look, I think he is that quintessential mid-level QB too. He's got enough weapons available to him. It's a nice enough matchup. But the fact of the matter is that when the 49ers get the opportunity to just run the football and do it that way, they're not going to look to give Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, 32 to 35 pass attempts, which is kind of what he needs to turn in a close to top 12 potential finish. So he comes in up QB 18 for me. I don't think he's the worst streaming option out there but definitely doesn't have the kind of upside that you would typically be looking for. All right, what I want to do now is I want to take another quick break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to preview the Monday night game. And of course, I got the mailbag segment for you guys. We won't end the show until I at least recap where we're at so far in the Thursday night game before you go. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We have more to come right after this message. This holiday season, I'm giving thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Do I tell my extended family that I have the Performance Package 4.0 from the global leaders and below-the-waist grooming? Not to mention, it includes their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to tame my bush and score brownie points with the in-laws. Every in-law's dream. Gift your manscape or the man in your life who needs it. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY by going to manscaped.com. Think your holiday spread is good? It's time to give thanks to the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, or as I like to call it, the perfect package for your package. Inside, you'll find our lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and hair nose trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. Think of it as a cornucopia for your balls. That's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at Manscaped.com. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. 
You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Streaming to you live on social media at Show, And of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel where all of our content is. Check us out on your favorite pod streaming app after the show so you can listen to us whenever or if you missed an episode like yesterday's episode. Very important. Make sure you go back and listen to that. And also very important. Make sure you're downloading us. If you have Amazon Fire TV app or any kind of Android device or tablet, whatever the case may be, go to the Amazon App Store, download the MD's Fantasy Football Show. You can throw us up on your big screen. Watch us give you great fantasy football and betting analysis. And you don't have to miss an episode there either. So multiple ways that you can catch the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Very excited. Always trying to be the best that we can be for MD Nation. All right, let's talk about this Monday night game. And uh, we got a big one. We got a big one. It's the Patriots, Buffalo Bills. It's a big matchup. Whoever wins this is going to be in first place for the AFC East. The Patriots are finding a way. Yeah, I get it. Bill Belichick, coach of the year. No, really, there should be no doubt about it. I know Arizona's got the best record in the NFL right now. That's all fine and dandy for them, fine and dandy for Coach Klingsbury. Nobody expected the Patriots to be in this situation this soon. So, yeah, Bill Belichick, if it were if the season were to end today, we still have you know a good month of football to go, but the season were to end today, he would be my coach of the year. There's no doubt about it. However, from a fantasy standpoint, this team's not very exciting. You can't stream Mac Jones. First of all, it's a tough match against the Buffalo Bills. Now, I will preface this by saying I fully understand and I'm aware that Tretavius White is out for the rest of the season, and that will make a difference for teams that actually have wide receivers. (laughs) For teams who actually throw the ball deep and get aggressive. They don't. So it's still going to play in the Buffalo Bills' hands. So this is like the one game where I feel like not having White is going to make a huge difference for the Bills' defense. I expect this to be a battle between these two teams, a physical battle between these two teams. They'll be in Buffalo, so it'll probably be cold. They don't ask Mac Jones to do too much, ever. So sometimes, like last week, he'll fall into these performances where he winds up for 300 yards and two touchdowns because he just takes what the defense gives him over and over again, and they gave him a good game, like last week. Other times, it's going to be, we lean on the running game, You throw the ball about 25 times, and we try to get out a win that way. I really think this is going to wind up being a low-scoring game, which will be detrimental for Buffalo, but we'll talk about that in a second. So you can't stream Mac Jones, in my opinion, in any matchup, because you just don't know what kind of Patriot team you're actually going to get any given week. And you can't play in the wide receivers with confidence. I know Kendrick Bourne has had some nice stat lines as of late. I know Nelson Aguilar has been playing more and more on the outside. I know Jacoby Myers seems to have this floor as far as the volume that he gets. But they're all just wide receiver fours, wide receiver fives, and and nothing more. So it comes down to the running game. Damian Harris, he's my RB24. Ramondre Stevenson, he's my RB29. They'll split these guys. The only thing I'm worried about Besides it being a tough match against Buffalo on the ground, 
The only other thing I'm worried about is what we saw last week where they split the carries between Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, but still had Brandon Bolden involved as the main pass catching back. And we're still basically using a three-man committee. That concerns me. The fact that they will just not allow Ramondre Stevenson to split some work with Damian Harris, but also be the main pass catching back, it limits everybody's fantasy value. So Harris comes in my RB24 because, well, he has the best chance of the running backs to score the touchdown. Ramondre Stevenson comes in RB29 because he's a running back who stands to get about 10 to 12 touches, and that pretty much puts you at an RB3 no matter who you are right now. You know, minus the Houston Texan running back. You, you can be irrelevant on 20 touches with the Houston Texans. But minus that team, it, you are pretty much an RB3 if you're getting 10 to 12 touches, which is what Ramondre Stevenson is looking at, whether it's through the rushes and the receiving yards, but just it's never going to feel good. And because it's Monday night, I can't tell you to play him and not watch the game because you're going to have to. There's going to be no other game on. So it might be boring, but they are options for you this week. Hunter Henry, he does come in at tight end 18 for me, but I don't want to play him if I don't have to. We saw last week what Hunter Henry is without the touchdown. Two catches, 16 yards. And yes, that's a long line of tight ends who are in that streamable territory that he's the cutoff for for me, which is usually at tight end 18. But it is such a low floor if he doesn't get into the end zone. Such a low floor. And Buffalo, not a very good matchup for tight ends at all. So I'll have to see what happens. But he does come at tight end 18 because he has had the touchdown consistency so far this season. On the flip side, though, let's talk about Buffalo. So, again, like I said, I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. But you have to play these guys. You have to play Josh Allen. He comes in my QB4. You have to play Stephon Diggs. He comes in my wide receiver 8. You have to play Dawson Knox. He comes in my tight end 8. Because they have the capability of the firepower where they can overwhelm a Patriot defense. They can. Whether they will or not remains to be seen because most teams have not been able to. And the Bills' offense themselves haven't been their old selves. They haven't been their consistent selves, their explosive selves on a week-to-week basis necessarily. This game helps that they're in Buffalo. But of course, you have to worry about Stephon Diggs as that number one target who gets taken away by Bill Belichick. Of course, you have to worry about them confusing the coverage on Josh Allen, who still seems to struggle when he plays the Patriots for the most part. But these guys have established themselves as must-plays must in your offense, and there's no other way around it. So, do they have lower floors than you would expect? Yes, they do. But you got to play them. Let's talk about guys that you would have the actual debate on whether or not you want to play. Devin Singletary, Matt Breida, Zach Moss. So, first things first. We got to see if Zach Moss is going to be inactive again like he was last week. Was it matchup-based or was it that you're trying to get more explosive at the running back position? And Matt Breida is somebody who's been playing more and more over the past couple of weeks anyway. So that's going to be the first thing you're going to have to sort out. Once we have that confirmation, what I can tell you now will be two running backs of the Buffalo Bills will be inside by top 36. They will be RB3s. We just saw the Tennessee Titans with Dontrell Hillard and Dante Foreman. 
with no wide receivers, still put up 200 yards rushing. Now, that's not going to be the Bills' end game here. They're not going to be willing to do that. However, they should find some success because teams have been able to run with some success against the Patriots pretty much all season, no matter who they are. Devin Singletary is the one safe guy for now because he's the only one, no matter what, is not going to be inactive. So he does come into RB25 for me. He's a solid high-end RB3 who should see double-digit touches in a good matchup in a game which could be cold and physical. They might have to lean on him a little bit more than they typically would. I think it's going to be Matt Breida. I think they finally decided they need to get more speed at the running back position. If they're not going to stick with the running game, they got to try to hit home runs with the running game. That's not Zach Moss. That's not what he does. And Matt Breida has actually been scoring touchdowns two out of the past three weeks. So I do think it's going to be Breida right now. He's my RB32. So I do have him as a flex play consideration if he's able to go. Again, that will be heavily dictated by what happens with Zach Moss. Is he inactive? Is he not? We'll have to wait and see. But that's pretty much going to do it for the game as far as that standpoint goes. Betting-wise, this is going to be a lot of fun. So betting-wise, again, it's in Buffalo. It's minus 2.5. I would expect it to be a pick-em game. The over-under set at 43. So Vegas is agreeing with me on the whole, we're expecting a low-scoring affair. I'm going to say no contest. The Bills are the more talented team, and they're at home. But the Patriots are the hot team. And the more the more well coached team. The only thing I would say is that maybe I take the under just because of how low scoring I think this game is going to be. That maybe a game comes over forty three, but I think what I'm going to say for you guys is no contest. All right, guess what time it is, MD Nation. The mail's here. Okay, now. As always, all you got to do to get on the mailbag segment, hit us up on social media at Belly of MDFF Show. I will answer every question that gets sent to us, but I will pick out my favorite ones and we'll put them on the show, give you guys shout outs. And hopefully, these are questions that I picked out that I think a lot of people are going to be struggling with so we can give a lot of people advice. Okay. So, first up, we got Sean. He asked PPR Flex. Devonta Smith or Javante Williams? So this became a much more interesting question over the past 24 hours. If Melvin Gordon's out, obviously this is a Javante Williams. But for the sake of the spirit of this question and when it was asked, let's assume Melvin Gordon is going to be able to be activated and play. Who do you play then? It's still Javante Williams. I know the I know Devonta Smith, he's playing against the Jets. It's a great matchup, and they've been letting up wide receiver points left and right to everybody. And if Jalen Hurts does have less mobility this week, he probably will have to throw the ball a bit more. That should equal into more points for Devonta Smith. But Javante Williams played the Kansas City Chiefs on a Denver offense that has decided that its best, its best assets is its running backs, is its running game to be the motor of the offense. And even if Melvin Gordon's in there, I trust the usage, the touchdown capability, and the upside of a Javante Williams because you still have that issue that the Eagles could decide to just run the ball, throw the ball maybe 18, 19 times because they don't have to throw the ball any more than that. And Devonta Smith winds up getting five to six targets. Now, if he can cash in on those five to six targets, great. 
But the problem is you have to hit at a very high efficiency rate in order for that to happen. Just give me Javante Williams, who just has more ways to score. Next up, we got Kevin. He asked Logan Thomas or Tyler Higby this week. It's a landslide Tyler Higby for me. Even if OBJ is out there and active, Logan Thomas is still trying to work his way back. That's obvious. He did not look like himself, his explosive self, last week. I know there is a need for a second pass catcher of Washington to emerge, but until he's back to being Logan Thomas as far as his explosiveness in the middle of the field, I just don't think this guy is going to be a top 12 tight end. You can't really trust the Washington offense. And Higby, his usage has been there. Yes, production hasn't always been, but he do have that upside now where possibly OBJ does not play or at the very least, playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he can always get a touchdown. It doesn't matter anyway. So for me, I'm going to roll the dice once again on Tyler Higby over a Logan Thomas. Nick, he asked me, Russell Wilson or Taysom Hill rest of season? It's Taysom Hill. I mean, I don't I don't really say there's a question. Assuming Taysom Hill can stay healthy, he's going to be over Russell Wilson. We just talked about how Russell Wilson is a guy I think you can go ahead and drop him. And if you could drop him for a Taysom Hill, I would call you one lucky guy, and I'd say do it immediately. Taysom Hill might be a top 12 quarterback the rest of the way. I don't think that's in the cards right now for Russell Wilson unless something drastically changes in the play calling over there in Seattle. Last but not least, we got Alfonso. He asked me, Elijah Moore or Van Jefferson rest of season? And the very good question. Two guys a lot of people are riding high on. But give me the wide receiver who's on the better offense with the better quarterback. Give me Van Jefferson. Yes, Elijah Moore has been hot, but Corey Davis will be back at some point. I still got to see when Corey Davis is on the field who Zach Wilson is trying to go with the ball more more often of the time. I got to see exactly how that's going to break down. With that threat, Van Jefferson, on the other hand, he's on a pass-first offense with a great quarterback. He's in great scoring opportunities, and Van Jefferson's playing just as much as Cooper Cup is. So give me Van Jefferson the rest of the way. I'm going to feel more confident in playing him on a week-in, week-out basis going into your playoff run than Elijah Moore. I have a comment here saying they disagree with me. We'll see what happens moving forward. I do. If we're talking about dynasty, I like Elijah Moore. I will say that. But rest of the season, it's Van Jefferson for me. That's going to do it for the show today, guys. I hope you all, all enjoyed it. Remember, catch us up on your favorite pod streaming app. Make sure you're subscribing to us on YouTube and make sure you're downloading the MD's Fantasy Football Show on Amazon Fire TV or on the Amazon App Store. If you have it on a tablet, any Android device, it will work perfectly great for you. We'll be back tomorrow night on the MD's DFS contest and lock bets for week 13. I'm Dan Mater, and I'll see you guys again real soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. 
Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design.